Well, hello. You are listening to The Jazz Focus. My name is John Clark, and thank you for joining us. We are dedicated to following some of the uh, back roads of jazz history, as we have been doing for a couple of years now. Today, we're going to be doing a program on what I'm calling the bebop clarinets. Uh, the clarinet, of course, was an important instrument in jazz from its earliest days in New Orleans and uh, down on the uh, Gulf Coast and from parade bands and things like that and became a central part of the swing era as well with Benny Goodman and Artie Shaw and all the fine players from that era. Uh, by the time bebop started uh, coming to the fore in the middle 1940s, the clarinet had lost its prominence. It's a frankly more difficult instrument to play than the saxophone, and uh, there were not a lot of players who were devoted to the new style who were featuring themselves primarily on clarinet. We're going to listen to three or four of them today. Uh, these recordings were all made during the 1940s, uh, the late 40s, from 44, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, thereabouts and feature a, a variety of players. Some were, a couple were swing era players who adapted their styles to bebop, and a couple were uh, players who came up with the bebop players, like Charlie Parker and so forth, and um, sat in and jam sessions at Minton's and, and Monroe's, and developed their chops in that manner. The first person we're going to talk about is a fellow named Hank D'Amico. Hank D'Amico was a, uh, a good journeyman saxophone player, a clarinet player, in a number of big bands in the 1930s. He was well-featured with Red Norvo's band. Red Norvo always had very fine clarinet players. Um, and uh, D'Amico took most of the solos on that band's uh, recordings in the 1930s. He played later with Les Brown with uh, Benny Goodman's band. Of course, not taking any clarinet solos there. And uh, he was a radio... Uh, studio band performer as well, but he recorded somewhat frequently in the 1940s and 50s under his own name and also uh, as a sideman with some Dixieland groups, with Eddie Condon, with uh, Bud Freeman, different people. But he was known as a more progressive stylist than the average swing-era clarinet player. He and Danny Polo were probably in close in that regard. We're not listening to any Danny Polo today, but we're going to be hearing a uh, at least a, a few tracks by him coming up on a future podcast. So Hank D'Amico was born in 1915. He died in 1965 of cancer. Uh, fortunately, towards the end of his life, he was well recorded. He did several LPs for Mercury, uh, leading quartets, and also with bands as well. Uh, he was kind of an interesting musician. In the 1930s, while he was playing with Red Norvo, he had an octet that did some more composed jazz, some had more classical uh, influence to it, and I guess they broadcasted some radio broadcasts. I think there are some recordings available of that. We're going to be listening to uh, the fruits of one session that he did that, that probably show off his more modern style, I guess you'd have to say. Uh, this is the Hank D'Amico Sextet, recording for Savoy in 1944. It was actually released on the National label, although I think it did come out on Savoy later on. And This was primarily a swing-era group that had some interesting tunes uh, that showed some of the newer influences. So in the Hank D'Amico Sextet, we have Frankie Newton, a great uh, African-American trumpet player who had been on 52nd Street from the mid-30s up until the mid-40s. He played in Boston. He played in a number of other uh, small group settings as well. Well, 
We're going to hear, of course, Hank D'Amico on clarinet, Don Bias on tenor sax. Bias had been with uh, quite a few of the African-American big bands, including Basie's, for several years in the early 1940s. By 1944, he was... Uh, an influence on the next generation of musicians, the bop musicians. In fact, he played uh, regularly with Dizzy Gillespie's small group, sometimes as a fill-in for Charlie Parker, whose personality kept him from uh, being entirely dependable, shall we say. In the rhythm section, we have the pianist and the bass player, or the pianist and the drummer, excuse me, from Cab Calloway's big band at the time. Dave Rivera on piano and Cozy Cole on drums. And then we have Sid Weiss on bass. So an interesting mixed group here. And we're going to hear four numbers. The first one is called Gone at Dawn, which is credited to someone named Bill Simon. He's going to be responsible for the last tune in this session as well. I'm not exactly sure who he was. Um, there was a Bill Simon who was a music critic, but he was a classical music critic, so I'm sure it's not he. We have Hank's Pranks, which was a composition by the pianist Dave Rivera. Jukebox Judy, which was a Hank D'Amico composition. And finally, Sly Little Witch from Greenwich, uh, which was composed by Frankie Newton. And all these are going to feature solos all around, but some very interesting clarinet playing. We're going to finish off that set with a tune... Uh, that was uh, recorded by Tony Scott and his Downbeat Club Septet. Tony Scott was one of the new, more uh, modern, forward-looking uh, clarinet players. He also was a good tenor and alto and baritone sax player, and uh, he is uh, responsible for a tune, another Bill Simon tune, called Ten Lessons with Timothy, and we will talk about that uh, after we get through the break. So those are our five tunes for this set. Hank D'Amico and his sextet, Gone at Dawn, Hank's Pranks, Jukebox Judy and Sly Little Witch from Greenwich, and Tony Scott and his Downbeat Club Septet, and Ten Lessons with Timothy, all coming up featuring some great clarinet. <laughs> Thank you. 
So there you have some fine clarinet playing. We started out with uh, Hank D'Amico and his sextet, Gone at Dawn, composed by Bill Simon. Bill Simon was actually a saxophone player and uh, jazz journalist, uh, and he must have had a hand in, in putting this session together, and he was given credit on that number, although it sounds for all the world like a Frankie Newton blues from the 30s uh, with some more modern playing. Then we heard Hank's Pranks by Dave Rivera, the piano player in the session, Jukebox Judy, Hank D'Amico's own tune, and Sly Little Witch from Greenwich, uh, the Frankie Newton tune. So these were all songs that were um, done uh, sort of on the cusp, I would have to say, of bebop and swing, as several of the tunes we're going to be hearing going forward are as well. And it featured several swing-era musicians, Frankie Newton on trumpet, Hank D'Amico on clarinet, Don Bias probably had the... the most uh, serious uh, bona fides of uh, a modern jazz player on his tenor sax, Dave Rivera on piano, Sid Weiss on bass, and Cozy Cole on drums. And those were recorded for uh, Savoy, a.k.a. National. That was a, a label. I think Savoy actually acquired the masters from National later on. Originally, they were issued on National. Then we went to Tony Scott, who was a somewhat younger player. He was born in 1921. He came up uh, listening to bebop rather than swing. He was in the uh, service during World War II, and when he got out, he landed on Greenwich, on um, in Greenwich Village and on 52nd Street, where he made friends with a lot of the older swing musicians and even booked some recording dates with them. He was a very good saxophone player, but clarinet was really his instrument. He had a very long life. He lived... Uh, in 2000 and well into the 2000s, uh, he later got interested in, in Eastern religions and uh, some different types of music from that tradition as well. But he was a, a, a real uh, bebopper during the 1950s. And this was his first recording session, um, which was done, as I said, with uh, a series of swing era players. We heard on bass, Gene Ramey, uh, Eddie Nicholson on drums, Jimmy Jones on piano, in the horn section, we heard Ben Webster on tenor sax, Trummy Young on trombone. He was another one like Don Bias who was uh, added to a lot of different uh, uh, bebop era sessions, including uh, at least one that was led by Dizzy Gillespie, who plays trumpet on this session. He was under contract, I think, to RCA Victor at the time, and uh, he was billed as B. Bopstein, but uh, his playing was pretty evident. The session was done in 1945 for Gotham, another one of those small labels that emerged out of the ashes of the uh, recording band of 1942 and 43. Uh, it was, as I said, done uh, probably right after um, Scott got out of the service, and uh, it uh, featured swing-era musicians playing more bebop-styled uh, pieces. And the piece we heard was Ten Lessons with Timothy, another Bill Simon composition, although chances are it was uh, composed by one of the uh, musicians on the date, and he may have taken uh, publisher's credit for it. It had a lot of affinity with the Dizzy Gillespie tune, Woody and You, uh, so probably it evolved into Woody and You a little bit later, although actually I think Gillespie recorded it with Coleman Hawkins right around that same time, so interesting tune provenance there. So we are going to move on now to another clarinet player, probably the least known of all the ones we uh, are covering today and the longest lived. Aaron Sachs was his name, and he lived from about 19... Uh 
20 up until, uh, or 21, I think it was, up until about 2011. He was over 90 when he died. Uh, he was known as a saxophone player as well as a clarinet player, but in the middle 1940s, late 1940s, he was uh, definitely embracing the concepts of bebop. He uh, had played and did many recordings, numerous recordings, I'll say, with uh, Red Norvo. We've heard one or two of those on different podcasts featuring Joe Thomas, the great trumpet player, as well. We're going to be listening to a session that he did for Manor Records, and uh, this is a an interesting session in that it uses more modern musicians, in fact, several who were uh, associated with the Woody Herman band at the time. We're going to hear Terry Gibbs on vibraphone, Gene DeNovi on piano, Clyde Lombardi on bass, and the legendary Tiny Khan on drums. He was from Boston, and uh, he... Uh, made very few recordings, but he was very well known as a, a, a bebop stylist, I guess you'd have to say at the time, uh, and uh, had a short life cut short by uh, narcotics uh, more than anything else, although he did leave a few recordings and quite a few compositions as well. The first two tunes we're going to hear on this set were Tiny Con compositions. One is called Aaron's Axe, play on the name of the leader, and then Tiny's Con, C-O-N, his name was K-A-H-N, but uh, those two have some playful elements in there as well. And Tiny's Con is uh, based on the chord changes of Indiana, and the melody has a lot of affinity uh, to Donna Lee, which is often credited to Charlie Parker, but which was probably a Miles Davis composition. It is different in, in several places, but you'd have to imagine that Miles heard uh, this particular tune and was inspired by it. There are some melodic similarities as well. Then we're going to hear two tunes. I'm not exactly sure who wrote those. Might have been Terry Gibbs, in fact. We're going to hear Sam Beeps and Bops and Patsy's Idea. So all four of these will feature um, the uh, Aaron Sachs Manor Rebop Boys is uh, uh, the name of the band at the time. And as I mentioned, uh, the name of the uh, people in there as well. We're going to... Uh, here uh, on Manor Records, this particular group. Again, I'll tell you, Aaron Sachs on clarinet, Terry Gibbs on vibes, Gene DeNovi on piano, Clyde Lombardi on bass, and Tiny Khan on drums. And this will be our set uh, for this time coming up. Just those four tunes, Aaron's Axe, Tiny's Khan, Sam Beeps and Bops, and Patsy's Idea. <laughs> Thank you. 
was Aaron Sachs and his Manor Rebot Boys. Recording from Manor, uh, as I said, uh, 1945, uh, and some members of the Woody Herman Band, or that uh, sort of uh, nucleus of, of, of players in that style. Clyde Lombardi on bass, Gene DeNovi on piano, Terry Gibbs on vibraphone, and the legendary Tiny Khan on drums, and the composer of the first two tunes, Aaron's Axe and Tiny's Khan, uh, the latter of which, as I said, was kind of a prototype for uh, what became Donna Lee later on. Then we heard Sam's Beeps and Bops and Patsy's Idea, both bop-influenced compositions. I'm not sure. I, I wasn't able to find out who wrote those. Uh, I think it might have been Terry Gibbs. Probably had something to do with Tiny Khan as well, but a very interesting session recorded for Manor, very much in the bebop style. All white musicians, which was unusual in bebop at that particular period. That was right at the beginning of uh, the bebop era, 1945-46 or so, thereabouts. So we're going to go on and do one more set. This is a somewhat longer set. We're going to play five tunes on this, and this is by the Buddy DeFranco Sextet. Buddy DeFranco is probably the prototypical bebop clarinet player, although he earned his early stripes playing in Tommy Dorsey's big band in the 1940s. He was an outstanding technical clarinet uh, player, and uh, he played respectable saxophone as well in the section, but he only soloed on clarinet and uh, really did some, some fine work uh, through the 1950s and 60s for uh, lots of different labels and uh, into the 1980s and 90s as well. He lived into the 2000s. He was well into his 80s uh, and his uh, playing never, never, never deteriorated. He was really a, a, one of the great clarinet players of any day. And uh, we're going to hear his first small group session. This is, as I said, the Buddy DeFranco Sextet recording in 1949 for Capitol Records. And uh, the band here is an interesting blend as well. We're going to hear, of course, Buddy DeFranco on clarinet, Teddy Charles on vibraphone, Harvey Leonard on piano, Jimmy Rainey on guitar, Bob Carter on bass, and, of course, the great Max Roach on drums. And uh, this gives some, some good bebop chops as well. All of these, with one exception, are original tunes. We'll talk about those later. But we're going to do them uh, in this order. Aisha, A-I-S-H-E, is an original composition, which will be followed by Bud's Invention, then Extrovert, followed by Good For Nothing Joe, and then we're going to end up with the one standard from that date, the Penthouse Serenade, all featuring Buddy DeFranco on clarinet, really mining this bebop style for all it's worth in uh, clarinet terms, you'd have to say. As I said, the clarinet is a harder instrument than saxophone, take it from me, and uh, translating some of the bebop idiom is, is tricky to say the least on here, and there were, as I said, not many performers known for that. The ones we're talking about today, Buddy DeFranco, Aaron Sachs, Tony Scott, a little bit earlier, uh, Hank D'Amico, and uh, a couple of others as time went on. Benny Goodman had a flirtation with Bebop, and we're going to do a show on that coming up at some point. And Artie Shaw kind of transcended stylistic uh, limitations between swing and Bebop, and there were a few others as well. We've done some programs of some of the British and French Bebop clarinet players, which were influenced by uh, these players we're playing today. So, on to the Buddy DeFranco sextet. Aisha... Bud's Invention, Extrovert, Good For Nothing Joe, and Penthouse Serenade. <laughs> ¶¶ 
So we have Buddy DeFranco and his sextet, recording rather, in 1949 for Capitol Records. We started out with a tune called Aisha, A-I-S-H-E, by someone named Cohen. I'm not sure who that was, but had some very fiery playing by DeFranco, as did the next one, Bud's Invention, which was a a particularly boppish uh, piece of work there that was uh, credited to the pianist, Harvey Leonard, who also did a couple of the other ones as well. including the next one, Extrovert, and that probably had the flashiest uh, Buddy DeFranco technical playing. He was really uh, on a par, certainly with Benny Goodman on clarinet, and one might say with Charlie Parker and some of the other more technical saxophone players, Don Bias and Sonny Rollins and so forth. Really extraordinary musician who ended up uh, doing quite a lot of... um, Uh, band work, small group uh, recordings and so forth with Terry Gibbs in the 1980s and 90s. He actually led the uh, uh, Artie Shaw band for a very short period, and uh, he did quite a few other things as well, but he was universally well regarded as a musician. After Extrovert, we went to Good For Nothing Joe, kind of a standard, but not a well-known one, I suppose, by Rube Bloom. Had some nice melodic playing, as did the final track, The Penthouse Serenade by... um, Jason and Burton, uh, which had some currency with the modern jazz musicians of the 1940s. Actually, I think one of the first to record it was Johnny Hodges, uh, an interesting version of that. So, that is our uh, survey, very quick survey, of some of the 1940s recordings by the bebop clarinet players. Of course, Tony Scott recorded quite extensively in the 1950s, uh, as did Buddy DeFranco. Aaron Sachs and Hank D'Amico both did studio work, but they would periodically emerge uh, to do do an LP or two, uh, mostly in in more of the swing idiom, although Aaron Sachs tended to reach out a little bit more in his recordings. We may get to some of those in the future. So I hope you've enjoyed this program. This is the Jazz Focus. My name is John Clark. We are coming to you from Anchor.fm, and if you'd like to support us, we'd love to be supported, and uh, hit that little button wherever you see it. Some of you have tried to reach me or have sent me voice recordings through Anchor, which is always lovely, except I don't know how to respond to those. I haven't been able to figure a way to return the voice recording or to send an email because I don't have an email. So please feel free to get in touch with me on my social media, my band, the Wolverine Jazz Band, wolverinejazzband.net and the Wolverine Jazz Band on Facebook and Instagram. I'd love to connect with you and hear what you think some of these programs might be like going forward. And, uh, lots of ideas and lots of programs to come. So thank you very much and I'll see you on the other side.